there, Cape Cod. It's high noon on Wednesday, and we're back with Life with Gwen, the Cape Cod Times lifestyle talk show. Uh, welcome back. It's been a couple of weeks because everyone's been off for the holidays, and we're glad to have you with us today. Today, we are tackling a subject that many of us may think of only as appearing on, on TV cop shows in big cities down uh, south along the border, but it is actually something that is happening here amongst us, and our guests today are here to talk about human trafficking, and specifically, we're with Janice Hank, who is the chairperson of the uh, PATH group, which is People Against Human Trafficking, and Barnstable Police Officer Katie Parashi, close, Katie, yes. <laughs> um, who works with the group and, and also with these cases that are happening, unfortunately, everywhere, not just in big cities. Welcome. Thank you for helping us to tackle this very important, uh, this very important issue. And uh, we're also doing this in advance of a candlelight vigil that you're having this weekend. That's right. That's right. We're having um, candlelight vigil. Um, this month, January, is Human Trafficking Awareness Month uh, all over the world. And um, so we're going to um, do a vigil on the 11th of January, which is this Saturday. And it's going to be from 4 to 5.30 at the First Baptist Church in Hyannis. And um, I'm going to show you that flyer. So we have... Um, some great things planned. We're going to be having a, a survivor speak as well and some music. And um, we're, we're fortunate to have uh, several speakers. We have also a student group from Sturgis West uh, Charter School, and they're involved with uh, Human Trafficking Club. And um, what they do is they, they receive um, jewelry and items like that that have been made by survivors. And they do um, they do raffles and they do um, they sell them and then they get the money all the you know to uh, the traffickers or the victims that have been trafficked. Mm -hmm. So that's a great organization um, for Future Coalition is what it's called. So we're really excited to have her uh, Abigail Jones come and talk about her club. Oh, excellent! Wonderful to see young people uh, involved with exactly. issues that are affecting everyone. And uh, there is uh, so much for us to talk about today. You may have some questions, so I encourage you to go ahead and write them in on the, face on the Cape Cod Times Facebook Live, and uh, we'll read them out and get them answered here. If you have questions afterwards, please uh, feel free to put them in, and, and we'll, we'll deal with them afterwards. But I think it might be helpful if we could talk a little bit about how your group was formed, uh, Janice, and also about your role. Uh, I'm going to... Officer Katie, um, your role as a, as a police officer in terms of uh, working these cases, for example, uh, do you work with other police on the Cape? Uh, um, and, uh, you know, how, how did this uh, designation come about here on Cape Cod? Um, well, so I've been a Barnesville police officer for 10 years now, and I'm a sexual assault investigator. And through my work doing sexual assault investigations, human trafficking is an unfortunate component of sexual assault and domestic violence. Um, something that I have always been very, very passionate about. And when I found out about Cape Cod Path, and it was a group that was dedicated to getting awareness and education out there about human trafficking, I jumped on the chance to join because 
my my time at work isn't enough for me to to be able to get out that information. Um, well, I'm glad that you could be here today, and and we could, uh, um, if you're watching this and you have other friends, uh, please feel free to pass it on and and let people know what's going on. And um, Janice, how did the the group you said four or five years ago it came together? How did that happen? Was there right. a precipitating um, event? I think uh, Dr. Sid Arthur uh, was doing um, a study on. Uh, the risks of human trafficking on Cape Cod. And from that study, uh, he gathered some people together and to work on this. So a task force was formed probably five, almost six years ago now. And so he was really instrumental in that. And uh, since then, I think three years ago, I jumped aboard because I <clears throat> there I was at a, attended a presentation in January at Wellfleet uh, Public Library. And there was an incredible movie called It's Not My Life, which showed uh, human trafficking, labor trafficking, domestic servitude all over the country and all over the world, and then brought it right back to home. So I thought that was amazing. And they also had a panel discussion. Uh, Officer Katie was on there as well, and a survivor spoke. And I think that um, the awareness that it, it happens in our own backyard was amazing to me. So I jumped aboard and um, been involved ever since. We have a great task force that, that meets once a month and we do presentations. We're trained by Homeland Security Investigations um, and um, he, Peter DiMazio from the Boston area trains us mm -hmm. to do presentations. So we have been doing presentations to synagogues, churches, libraries, uh, hack, rotary clubs. We, we just go anywhere people would like us to, to learn about human trafficking, especially on Cape Cod. So we're excited about that. Do, do you, both of you, um, you know, feel free to jump in, whoever. Um, do you feel like uh, people are not aware of it as a local problem? It's funny. Um, when I talk to people about it, we we're involved in so many different community events um, and the, the Cape Cod community, not just Barnesville, the whole Cape community has been so supportive and inviting us to different events. It is interesting sometimes though, because people would have heard of human trafficking and think that it's horrible and be very concerned about it. But when you talk about human trafficking occurring on Cape Cod is when the shock sets in. Not on Cape Cod, that doesn't happen here. It's not. It's a city problem or it's a foreign problem. It's a problem that doesn't touch here. Um, but that's unfortunately not the case. Is is there, um, there are so many areas for us to cover, but um, when we were chatting before the show, uh, Katie, I said, you know, um, so there has been a, a case and, and you said, unfortunately, you said there have been several. And what, just to help us understand what we're talking about, you said there's several areas. You know, there there's uh, domestic um, uh, work-related uh, um, human yes. trafficking. So there's like sexual. labor trafficking mm -hmm. and sex trafficking are both forms of human trafficking. Okay, and I would think those are probably the two most common. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, how, how does it, how do you find out what, how, you know, how does it come to light? Um, a lot of times in, in recent with CAPE cases, um, without specifically talking about them, a lot of the cases have come to light because 
of a concerned person calling the police department. And it could have been a concern over this business doesn't seem legit, that customers are going in, they're leaving uh, very quickly, or I saw this girl on the side of the road, I was very concerned about her, so they sent a police officer to just go check on her well-being. A lot of the information has come in by concerned people that saw something that they recognize is just not being right. They may not have known it was human trafficking, um, and then it was investigated. That it, it really points out how important the community involvement is Huge at right. every level. Hugely important. The community, especially on the Cape, has such an opportunity to be impactful um, on this issue. A lot of times when we're talking to individuals or organizations about human trafficking, especially on Cape Cod, they go, well, what could I do? What can I possibly do to help? And there's a lot of things you can do to help. Uh, first of all, just um, look beneath the surface. You know, look to see if who's traveling with this maybe a gentleman or an older man or could be an older woman with a younger person and they, the younger person does not look at you in the eye. They look down. If you ask them a question, they don't speak. Um, so, you know, you want to look for these certain um, things that, that could happen that you don't even, you know, you may not think about it until later. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's several things that, that you can do. Um, and there's different um, awarenesses. Uh, victims may be in, in sight in plain sight, and you don't realize it. Uh, sometimes um, a trafficker could use uh, violence or they can use, you know, coercion and force. And, you know, maybe we should go back to what human trafficking is. Yes, that's now, a good If you want to talk about place what, to start. you know, the human trafficking is. Well, Massachusetts doesn't have the, like, the, the federal government deforms this force, fraud, or coercion. Massachusetts has a even wider blanket for that and, and it you don't actually have to use those exact terms which I'm very very thankful for that we cast a I think a broader net um, so human trafficking forcing somebody whether it's through threat through coercion um, to work that's against the law to have sex that's against the law and I'm not talking about simply just having sex or simply uh, working. This is contrary to the Massachusetts general law, contrary to the, to the federal law. Um, and a lot of times it will be mislabeled prostitution mm -hmm. or that's you know a labor law violation versus actual labor trafficking. Um, and it's difficult for the average citizen to know well, is it human trafficking? Is it not human trafficking? And in that event, I suggest just, just call your local department. You can make an anonymous complaint. You do not have to give your information if you're concerned. What if I'm not right? What if the information is not correct? I don't want to accuse somebody. That's okay. You don't have to give your information and the police can investigate that. Mm -hmm. um, and can you can we talk a little bit about how a person might uh, find themselves in this situation? I should say also you said that it doesn't have to be um, a lot of people being you know physically held in one location. That trafficking can involve one person who is in a situation against their will. So, um, yes. Yeah, so trafficking is it could be one victim 
and it could be one perpetrator. It also could be one perpetrator and many victims. It could be several perpetrator and several victims. Um, in order to be defined as human trafficking, there is no limit on victims. We don't mm -hmm. have to prove that a certain amount of people are harmed um, in this. And the easiest way for me to explain, well, how, how can a person on the Cape become a victim of human trafficking? I'm gonna show you it. Okay. My has a pretty um, roses on it. It's your cell phone. And that's the easiest way for traffickers to come in your home um, because they are coming in your home. They're coming into your children's home. They're coming into your children's school. And the easiest way for a trafficker to get to somebody is through a cell phone. So like through social media, um, you know, uh, pretending to lend a, a listening ear, um, you know. Be, it could be anything, just pretending to be a friend. The boyfriending experience mm -hmm. in sex trafficking is huge, where a trafficker um, gets a victim to be their girlfriend, and it's portrayed as, I care about you, I want to be with you, but it's a real relationship, when in fact it's not a real relationship. It turns into a trafficking situ situation. So most people think, well, why would somebody get involved in that? And it's not, it's not, um, it's not as cut and dry. It's not a, you're going to go out and you're going to do this for me for money. And I think most people, if they're approached, they would say no. Right. Um, but that's the reason why it's it's a very complicated crime and that boyfriending experience yes. and cultivating a victim. More of being lured in Absolutely. to what you think is is a, a is is a romantic relationship or uh, and and do do we also see um, labor um, trafficking here? We do. It's the amount of labor trafficking that's reported is much lower, but um, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's hugely underreported. I know the Attorney General's office is working very hard to get information out um, to law enforcement agencies. They recently came up with the, the Result app, which I think is phenomenal. I got mm -hmm. to go to the launch of that um, to specifically give law enforcement more information on how to recognize um, and investigate labor trafficking complaints. One of the other things about um, how do they get lured in is um, these traffickers are, are very bright and they go to the vulnerable person, mm -hmm. whoever's vulnerable. You know, they may be walking in the mall or, you know, in a public place and they look at maybe a group of, of kids walking around and who's the vulnerable? Who, you know, feels like a little out of place or doesn't feel good about themselves and then they'll go ahead and target that person and they'll really compliment them and, and so the vulnerable is really at risk. You know, we're talking about youth, we're talking um, about trans, bisexual, uh, gay or lesbians, we're talking about young kids, uh, older kids, women, adult, and any, men, anyone. And so the vulnerable, they look at the vulnerable and then they go and they really groom that person. So they're really targeting someone who doesn't have a lot of strong, um, healthy relationships to, to maybe balance it out. That's what it seems like, but it could be anything or anyone. Yeah, you know, um, there is no set person that can become a victim of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. It can be anybody. Um, anybody can be victimized with the right perpetrator. Is, is poverty a big factor? You know, people who are, are desperate just basically to eat, is that a big factor in? Uh... Well, that's, um, 
survivor sex is very common as far as people that are destitute. They have no means to pay for a place to stay at night. They have no means for food and may engage in survivor sex just to get by. And those people are certainly at risk to be trafficked because they're already in such a desperate state in a desperate situation that if a trafficker knows of that person or is in the area, they certainly could take advantage. And sometimes um, if individuals like, say an, a single mother or any individual who is caring for their family and trying to provide for their family and and probably could use a little bit more money, uh, sometimes they'll look on the website or the paper and say, oh, escort, okay, I could do that. I could just be a companion for someone. Mm -hmm. And then they think they're going in for just doing that. And then once they get in and maybe one or once or twice, it is a companion or an escort, and then it turns differently. So uh, that could be like when you talked about poverty war, well, how about just making things, you know, a little bit better for my family, I'll just do that, you know, and then it becomes something different. I would never have thought of that. You know, the, the situation that comes to mind is perhaps a, a young runaway, um, but, uh, you know, that's the, the obvious situation that I think of, but this idea that, that you might think you're just, uh, applying for a part-time job, uh, is, is not something that would immediately leap to mind. Right. And then you have the whole foster care situation where foster kids, you know, if they go missing, you know, who cares? And so the that that's a really you know heartfelt thing that's happening right now too. So I have uh, to stop you for a second and say that I am sure we do have foster families who are doing wonderful work oh, and absolutely. Who, who who do care a lot. But that absolutely. I can see how that would be an in in that's a risk, increased a risk uh, yes. path. Exactly. You know. So absolutely. I think the core thing to take away is about risk factors and thinking about for sex trafficking specifically in the United States, the average age of entry is 12 to 14 years old. So we talk about those, those ideas in our head of, you know, we call people prostitutes and we have all these negative connotations when we see people. Just remember the average age is 12 to 14 years old. These are our children. They don't have the mental fortitude to be able to drive yet or to buy alcohol or tobacco because we protect them from that because we say that they're not able to make those decisions they are also not able to make that decision with a trafficker i mean absolutely you know there's no such thing as a child prostitute i point that out they're children they're children and they're victims of, of traffickers and and uh um it it seems that uh, well Let's stop for a little bit of good news here, which is that you have recognized, not just you, but you and all the group, the PATH group has been recognized with a, with a significant award for the work that you're doing here. And I wonder if you could tell us about that. And also, um, are there other PATH groups? So this is Cape Cod PATH, but are you part of a network um, in New England or nationally? Uh, first of all, um, yes, we were honored uh, by the Human Barnstable County Human Rights Commission um, Advisory Commission uh, on the Cornerstone Award, which is doing something for human rights on the Cape in the Barnstable area. So, by our well, we, our mission is to educate and collaborate with um, organizations and just to get the word out. We need to educate people that this is happening on the Cape, and um, we do presentations. And we just want to get the word out. This is our, and it's our educational aspect of what we do. Uh, so we were really excited to be um, 
uh, awarded the International Human Rights um, Award with different citations from the county and the state, state and representatives. So that was really exciting. And there are different organizations. Um, there's a Needham Path. Um, the uh, person that trained us in Homeland Security Investigations, Peter DiMarzio, has really kind of mentored these groups. So he's one of our uh, mentors. And um, also Needham Path, he, he has uh, also had a group with. It's also called Erase Coalition. And I have to read this because Erase stands for Empowered to Rise Against Slavery and Exploitation. And they're an, an excellent group uh, in the New Bedford Fall River area. And so they meet on a regular basis and they do programs and, and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, across the, the country and, and world, there's, there's different organizations that um, that are out there to look for human trafficking and labor trafficking and uh, get some guidance uh, for individuals. And I know that in addition to the presentations that, that you folks do, you also have a website, which I'm going to give to everyone now. It's called uh, um, capecodpath.org. And uh, if you have questions specifically that you would like to ask, there's an email, capecodpath at gmail.com. You have dot or do G I? Gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I have dot org here, and I'm thinking Gmail does not have a dot org, uh -huh. um, but uh, at gmail.com. And um, tell me, is is there enough data to know if this problem is worse in one area of the peninsula or another, or do you see it pretty much end to end? And there's really no hard data for us to be able to educate in an education educated way, excuse me, no, say whether sorry. or not um, it's more towards any area. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that it's been, it's, it is everywhere across the Cape and the islands. Okay. And um, I, I also sort of want to, you know, it's, it's not an alarmist view. It's, it's, you know, it's not like it's happening every day. It's just that it's, it's insidious because as you said, it's not always reported as trafficking right. and, uh, Maybe we should focus a little bit as we come to the bottom of the hour here on um, the fact that there have been people that you guys have helped to to extricate themselves from these situations and uh, that you support. And, and there's some ways that people can help with donations. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, one thing that we do with Cape Cod Path is we collect what we call bags of hope. Um, and it was inspired by um, Jasmine Grace, who does that in her area, who is a survivor, um, has written a book on her experience. And people donate either the bag or portions of that bag, and those bags are distributed to people on the Cape through a third party, no questions asked. You don't have to be a witness to anything with police involvement. You don't even have to give your name. They're people that we know that are um, at risk in their life um, and that they're reminded that this is from your community and your community cares about you. We're talking, I think I read on uh, the website about uh, socks, underwear, yeah. um, you know, toiletries, just the basic needs of, of life. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of people in situations like that, they may need to get out of a situation immediately for their safety. 
and may only be able to leave with the clothes on their back. So they won't have anything. These bags of hope come into play where they're given that, no questions asked. And what's nice about these bags of hope is when we do a presentation, a lot of people say, well, how can I help? Well, that's one way you can do that. And we have a list of items, and then you can also take it to the um, Barnstable Police Department and drop them off and with attention, Officer Katie Parachi. So they, they will be delivered right there, which is awesome. Um, another thing I also wanted to mention is uh, Cape Cod Path is, a, um, is under the umbrella of the Cape Cod Foundation. And the Cape Cod Foundation is an amazing organization. Um, and so they're our sponsor. So we really appreciate what they've done and they help us so much with our printing and with, you know, with everything else too. So they um, have a, such a wide uh, reach, the uh, Cape Cod Foundation, helping in a lot of ways with the arts, with uh, the humanities, with people who are in right. need. They're excellent. Another thing you can do to help too is um, stop the trafficking is buy fair trade. Food, buy fair trade. Coffee, tea, uh, because they a lot of things that are not fair trade are labor, are, are by, served by uh, people that, maybe children that are doing the labor, you know, mm -hmm. picking those beans. So this is, beans. is this, this is more of a, a global look at the, the global, issue? But yeah, mm -hmm. but it can happen right here and that's what people can do. Uh, also, the clothes that you buy, look to see what you have on. Where is it from? Um, is it slave labor? You know, who, who's doing this? Who's making this? So um, that's just an awareness that you can have that anyone can have right now. Mm -hmm. is things that you can do to to you know help the whole world and then closer to home some of the things um, when you were speaking about uh, perhaps seeing a young person with an older person who um, um, you know and the younger person doesn't speak at all I would imagine that, that um, you know there are situations where if you do make conversation and and you know keep yourself open to what's happening around you you may find that that you do want to make a phone call Absolutely, and there's opportunities everywhere you go. When you think about, well, how would I actually see somebody that's potentially victimized? Well, have you ever been to the mall? Are you a healthcare worker? Are you a worker in the schools? Are you an Uber driver? Do you work at a fast food restaurant? You're, everybody has the opportunity to observe the situation and observe surroundings. I've taken tips from all of the above. Mm -hmm. um, Delivery drivers that said, you know, I went to this house and just this was going on and it just didn't look right. Mm -hmm. um, healthcare workers, huge mm -hmm. teachers, um, and just observing what you see in your everyday life. Um, you may see it and it's really what to look for. Um, so everybody has that opportunity and there's, there's nothing wrong with calling and saying something. It may be nothing. But it may be right. I think all of us worry that you're going to be turning in your your neighbor and they're selling teenager. Sure. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know um, that's why I was saying that I would imagine people um, in public situations, you know, may see people over and over again, and uh, absolutely the yeah. feeling might start to to build a little. Absolutely, and and if you know in your employment that something that you're seeing day in and day out. Um, I know that the airlines all give traffic, um, human trafficking training. Right. Um, any kind of transportation agencies are doing it because it's such a huge way where victims are transported um, and the opportunity arises for somebody to possibly intervene on their behalf. 
And that's fabulous with the airlines too. Um, we, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, we did a, um, a June event uh, at Osterville Library where we had um, a person from the Delta Airlines. And actually she trained, she trains um, airline stewardesses and, and anyone connected with the airlines about what to do and what to look for and how to help. And we also had someone from Amira House, which is a safe home. So once, once these people want to get out of the life or are able to get out of the life, then where are they going to go? So safe homes are really important so they can get the, the counseling they need, they can get job training, they can get the support they need and just being taken care of. Uh, and it's not a one day fix. You know, it could be years and years and years. But these safe homes are so important and that's what we really need. So you may be called upon uh, if someone approaches you and, and says, I, I need help. Um, you may be, you know, basically I think what you're saying is don't turn away, reach out because now you know there are groups there who can help and, and they can reach you guys, uh, um, the police of course immediately and, uh, and help people to, you know, to get that first step to, to get out of the situation. So is there, as we, um, I'm getting the five minute signal here, we haven't heard uh, I don't think from any of you on questions. If you do have questions, um, might want to send them in now. Um, I know this is probably new information for a lot of people because to be honest, unless you've encountered it or been to a speech, you feel like it's an episode of Law and Order. Absolutely. You know? It's absolutely. It, it's doing a great job, Law and Order, but, uh, <laughs> um, but it doesn't feel real here in this bucolic place, you know? Yeah, and it's, and it's, when we try to put in perspective, when we think about um, how it could happen on the Cape, the answer is, how could it not? What is What makes Cape Cod unique that it wouldn't be a place where human trafficking can occur? I mean, we're a tourist community. Buyers come to the Cape because it is secluded. It goes right off the highway, you can go to the beach, and you can purchase a human being. Um, and be pretty anonymous about it as well. Um, there's a lot of risk factors that makes the case even more likely because of the tourist trade, because we have workers that are coming in only for a few months and employers know that they're only gonna be here for a few months. They know the possible situations those people may be in where they're gonna be more easily to, uh, to be able to be victimized. Um, and the most common way traffickers are approaching people now is through social media. So everybody mm -hmm. is exposed. And we haven't talked about specific cases on the Cape because several of them are still open, yes. um, still in court, uh, but uh, they have been covered by the newspaper when there have been arrests made, uh, indictments handed down. So certainly you may have read about them in the paper as, as well. Um, this is more an issue to let people know that there is someone out there who is working to help these people get free of the situation and you can work with them or you can turn to them if you have suspicions that that you think need to be explored. Tell us again about the details of the right. uh, the so, details of Saturday's event. Our candlelight, candlelight vigil for Human Trafficking Awareness Month um, is going to uh, actually it's going to be uh, at the First Baptist Church on Main Street, Main Street mm -hmm. in Hyannis. And we'll have Katie speaking, as well as uh, Pastor Catherine Boyle and Angela Menke, 
Reverend Angela Menke Balu and Reverend Pamela Wani. And we'll have uh, music by Pamela Wani, the ukuleles and lad, and Dignus Fignus, uh, Dignity Fignus. So we have a group of people that are excited to to share with you what you know with songs and with music and um, with with just what's happening also in statistics, what's going on, good and bad. So. Um, it's we would love for you to join us uh, this Saturday, the 11th at four o'clock to five, five thirty. That sounds great. And and Officer Katie, any last uh, anything we missed in, in a far ranging conversation that that is just starting to crystallize, trying to put it in front of people. Anything else that springs to mind? Just that to say again, if you think that something may not be right you can always say something and you can say it anonymously. You can email me too if you have questions. Uh, Parachi, Do you want to give us your? Yes, parachic at barnesvillepolice.com um, and I'll be happy to, to answer questions. Or you can bring things for the uh, comfort bags, but uh, I think the important thing here is you can get involved and, and it's making a difference. That's right, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming and sharing this story. Thank, Thank you. you for having Thank you for having us. We appreciate it.